Hey there, welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently, doing something you really care about. Our guest today is Noah Kagan. Noah is founder and chief sumo at sumo.com, appsumo.com, and kingsumo.com. He's built two multi-million dollar businesses and grown an email list of over 700,000 people. He's also the host of Noah Kagan Presents podcast, He's an incredible marketer, one of the most resourceful business people I know. Plus, he's a taco fanatic. What more to love? Noah, thanks for being on the show today. Did I cover everything? I I was like, I think I've created more million dollar businesses, but that just (laughs) sounds like such a douchey thing to say. No, I don't even know if I've created that many. I was like, as you said that, I was like, where's all that money? Because I don't have it in my bank account. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, just because because your business makes multi-millions doesn't necessarily mean you get all of it. Oh, it... Never, you know, I, I talked, I was literally talking to a guy bef- uh, before you about his company and I was like, oh, how's it going? He's like, yeah, we make millions of dollars. I was like, wow, that's so impressive. And I was like, well, what's your, what's your salary or what's your profit? It was in, the, it was in the low five figures. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's one of these things I was talking, you know, talking with one of the guys, uh, Eamon, who runs AppSumo and he's like, don't worry about revenue. Let's worry about profit. How, are are you good at that? Are you good at like managing expenses and and really trying to focus on what you're putting in your pocket, or or do you just charge ahead and and pour all the resources into the business it, that it needs? So uh, let me pull it up. What we actually did for our company, uh, we we try to copy the Amazon model, which is uh, if something is profitable, then invest a lot more, and if you don't have anything to spend, then then let's be profitable. So profit is is a key component. Of, uh, it's funny. It's like, it sounds so stupid. Profit's really important, you know, but I think a lot of companies maybe they're just starting out. Um, but for us, I think we're really aggressive more than most. For example, if you're buying Facebook ads, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who's doing ads. He's like, yeah, man, I'm spending 2000 bucks a month. And my first thought is like, why aren't you spending 20,000? Right. And it only, it's like, Hey, if, if, you're prof- if it works at 2000, then why not try 20? Yeah. And I think that's something that we've gotten really good at in terms of marketing. I don't think of myself as a great marketer. I just think We've had great products or we make great products or we find them. Uh, and then we're just really aggressive when we find marketing activities that work where I think other people just get really passive. Or I think as, as I've been in the past, it's like, oh, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's working. I'm like, well, can it work a lot more? Do a lot more then. How do you stay, how do you stay engaged? You've been running uh, Sumo for, or AppSumo for how long now? When did you first start that? Uh, 10 years, 10, 10 years. years. Well, it's funny you say that. I haven't actually reflected on this. So my first, in my 20s, I'm 37 now every job was one year long. Like I was at Intel for a year. I was at Facebook for a year. I was at Mint for a year. Uh, I did Facebook games for a year. We did Facebook apps for a year. And then, yeah, then I'm 10 year marriage. And you probably it's, thought like at first AppSumo was just going to be another like one year long project. Well, you know, and how did I, st- we can talk about staying interested. Uh, we can talk about like the entrepreneur disease. Um, but yeah, my goal, my original intention with AppSumo was, it was very clear. It was that how do I make $3,500 a month and I want to go work uh, internationally. I wanted to work in either Thailand. I wanted to just go work on the beach there. And so I was just focused on making 3,500 bucks a month. And then somehow now I think there's like 50 people working here. Uh, we have offices and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know how we did this. Uh, sometimes I'm still surprised we make money uh, with the, with AppSumo.com. And it, it's been a journey with that business too, where we literally left it for dead. So about five years ago, it plateaued at around $4 million. And, we're, and we, I actually looked at selling it to, uh, to a competitor. And I was like, if they offered a little bit more, I would have just sold it. And uh, Eamon, 
who was who's someone we hired and, and trained and he basically just kept doing it. Uh, and so he's been able to significantly grow the business in uh, something that we just never expected. Do you feel like um, you left it for dead um, because you kind of lost interest in it or, or you, you got frustrated because you had been trying things and they weren't necessarily having an impact? Well, and I, I, we can talk more about um, how to keep things interesting. I think, I think our mind lies to us. I think nostalgia is this like crazy liar. Like in my mind, I'm like, you know, I, I tried everything. I'm like, did you actually try everything? Right. And so at that point in time, I think number one, what comes to my mind is that I kept feeling like I, I was a used car salesman. Like, oh, come get the deal on AppSumo.com. We have deals for you. Like, <laughs> you, I felt like this weird car salesman. And I love our customers. They're my, the Sumo Lings, as we call them, they, they give me my livelihood. And hopefully they get a great deal. And, and, you know, we promote products that we, you know, the partners get a great deal. But at that time, I think I just felt a little tired uh, of doing deals. I think secondly, we tried a lot of things to grow it. You know, we tried a lot of the internet marketing stuff that you read about at that time. You know, this is probably five years ago, which was like, have a low price product, have free products, and then you could sell high price things and, you know, create courses. We created a lot of courses. And um, I think we tried a lot of things and it, it kind of tired us out. And we thought creating, you know, I think this is a common thing. We thought the next thing would be easier. So we created Sumo, Sumo Me, which became Sumo.com. Uh, so we could have recurring revenue. Uh, I think the the takeaway here, and this is something I've seen in a lot of businesses and I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs about, is that most of the time, the new thing isn't going to save you. It's, but we think it is. But you feel like it is. You At the really time, it's like, does. yeah. No, you know what's, here's what's going to happen, Corbett. I, I would bet a million dollars, someone's going to listen to the show and they're like, I hear what they're saying, but my thing is different. Yeah. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, oh yeah, but I need the new thing. And so I, I, I think the the biggest takeaway uh, for for me, or one of the, it's like just keep going on what's working. And I think we got lucky that software got more popular. We you know that there's a, there's so many more apps, so many apps. Days, uh, so that that worked out well for us. But the fact that Amon stuck with it and really just said, all right, this playbook is working. Let's just keep running the playbook and running it better. Um, uh, is what has been able to help the business. Was that was that the the secret to to breaking through that plateau? Was really just optimizing the existing playbook, or were there any other new things that you added on? I'm trying to think over the five years for Amon uh, and the AppSumo business, I I think they've evolved really well about what's working and how to make it work better. So I think some key things they did is they they, they added an affiliate program which we never had. Uh, they brought on dedicated paid marketers which we did have. I think they evolved uh, the business model. So like they used to, we used to do just one, one year deals and now people are doing lifetime deals, which I really, we were really hoping people don't live that long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, only, we only sell to people over 80. No, yeah. uh, but I think lifetime deals. And then we added uh, stackable, we call them stacking, where now if you buy a product and you want like multiple, like higher uh, versions of the product, like the pro version, you could buy like three, three items. So people will spend more. Um, I think where we've lacked and where we're focusing on now is just like how to reach a larger customer base. So expand into new, new verticals. Uh, but yeah, I think the secret is there's at the, I don't know if there's a secret, but I think the, the thing to realize is that do what you are great at and think about what you're really amazing at. Like I am not great at sticking with something, <laughs> right? Even as you started the show, you're like King Sumo and app Sumo and Sumo.com. We also have meetfam.com, which we launched yesterday and SendFox. And I'll tell you, we're not Microsoft, we're not Amazon, we're not a you know, $100 billion company. 
And so I, I think there is something to be said to like come back to focusing on less things that are, are doing well. Those are those are five major products that you listed, and I'm guessing that you've started more over the past ten years that that haven't lived as long. Yeah, well, I think what's actually is interesting about that is not that we have five major products because I don't think they're all major. I think what's actually interesting is looking at the revenue and expense breakouts of those five businesses. So I'll tell you at a, at a high level, AppSumo generates 85% of the revenue, and it only takes probably about 20% of the expenses. So. If you're listening, or I'm sure you, Corbett, as well, you're like, well, there seems to be a, some mismatch. And so that's actually exciting me this year where we're re-allocating uh, money and people around the winners. So AppSumo's winning. Let's put more time there. These other things are great and they're promising, but how do we use them to actually better AppSumo and better the thing that's, that's working? Um, so it's, it's, it's definitely been a, it's been a journey, man. I think everyone's on their own kind of challenging journey. Just uh, find something you want to, that you're in, enjoying the journey. Uh, for 10 years. It's really interesting to think about uh, those differences in those businesses, given that they were they were all started by the people with the same talents, right? The same team, um, but they had radically different outcomes. And how an entrepreneur's experience could be so different just based on the business that he or she chose to get into. And if they if they hadn't, you know, fought through and started other businesses, Maybe they ended up in, you know, of those five that you mentioned, maybe they ended up in a business that just didn't have as much profit or, or revenue potential. And so that was their whole entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial experience. And, you know, yeah. you've, you've had the, the um, interesting past decade of starting all those different businesses. So you get to see how some can have outsized results. Yes. Well, I think what, what I've observed for myself is that, you, when you're working on businesses, you want a disproportionate return on your time. So what that means is that you want to find things where you put in a little bit of time or whatever amount of time you're doing and the results are significantly greater. And I think a lot of people work on things where the results are less than, but they keep working on it. Um, and then what I was saying earlier to, to the Amen point is find the things you're really great at. Like I really love marketing. I really love starting things. Uh, I really love finding new people that are amazing and, and trying to figure out how to work together. And I need to spend all of my time doing that. And then every other thing that I suck at, I really just try to find someone who is really great at the things I suck at. And I don't try to correct my weaknesses. So like Eamon is a phenomenal operator in sales. So, okay, great. What other things? So like we need another person to help with marketing. All right, great. Let's go focus on that. Uh, and not try to, uh, I think, compensate, which is, is the normal thing. But it, is, oh, have, have you always been good at recognizing those things or admitting those things that you're not good at? Uh, or did you struggle with that for a while? It's so funny you say that. So this morning, you know, you, we quote stuff, right? Like on Twitter or you're doing interviews. You're like, failing is great because that means you're trying, right? Like you hear shit like that all the time. And so I would say we launched meetfam.com, which is automatic emails for Shopify stores. And in my mind, on launch, it didn't do to expectations. And it's a long game. We're going to be doing this for, for some period of time. But it didn't meet my expectations. And, the, and I'm disappointed. And I, and I was bicycling this morning. And I was like, you're so full of shit, Noah. Like, you're telling people fail is good because it means you're trying new things. But you're being a little bitch about it. And I was like, oh, that's exactly right. Like, I tried. We tried. Not just I. Like, the company tried something new. And that is sometimes it's going to be awesome. Like, we launched SendFox, our email marketing for content creators. People are going apeshit over this, apeshit. And meet fam, they're not. And it's like, okay, well, at least we're trying new stuff. 
Uh, and that, and okay, well, the more important part now is like, we're trying, we failed. What are we going to learn and improve, which we will do. Have you killed any projects over the past 10 years that were a big investment of your time? Not as much as we should. So like, for instance, King Sumo, King Sumo is a really interesting, it does like a quarter million dollars a year. And if you think about it, if you want to be big business, like someone told me this recently, like Google doesn't do businesses that aren't a billion dollar at least business. Right. It's interesting to start thinking in that context. So King Sumo, it's like, can we make, can we even make this a million or $10 million business? So we've actually reduced spending almost any time on it. We have one support person part-time who assists, but we have to really, I mean, every business, the number one challenge is prioritizing. Um, so we've reduced time on that one. We, I created, when I started AppSumo, we created one called reward level. And it was like, you get an incentive for doing stuff. And that one, it was just like AppSumo was working. And I think the thing that, that I think about, especially with uh, like the launch yesterday, is pushing versus pulling your business. And so in certain products, like let's say you make like this water bottle. And I go to people and I'm like, yo, this is the best water bottle ever. And they're like, give it to me, give it to me. That is like people are like pulling it. Like they want that from you. Like I don't have to do anything. I'm like, hey, I got this water bottle. It's dope. I love it. Versus I think a lot of businesses, you're like, oh, let me convince you. And you have to spend a lot of energy and you're pushing it on people. Um, I've been fortunate that before I even started AppSumo, I was a part of Mint and Facebook where I was like, holy shit, like people are begging for this. Um, and so I, I do think it's kind of observing what's working and, and focusing more time on that. Uh, I know it sounds, it sounds obvious at a high level, but it's like, okay, well, where am I going to get the best return and really just and be more intentional? I think finally we're doing that uh, better with our business. How do you decide uh, when you should start working on a new project? All of these things that you've mentioned, was there... Was there one process that you used um, to decide that, hey, let's let's try this new thing? And 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 what's the intention behind trying all those things? Is it just the the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial disease, I think you called it, it is earlier? The disease. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick, Corbett. No, uh, as I said earlier, uh, the way we did it. So in business, I, I generally think in terms of it's prioritizing, right? And you say, I have a goal. And then these are the biggest challenges that I have to get, accomplishing my goal. And you go in order. And so with our business with AppSumo originally, five years ago, it was every month we, we can make a million dollars or we can make $50,000, right? So it's a really crazy to have a, a business when you don't, it's like every month is a mystery. And so we said, hey, well, we need stability in the business. And it's really going to be hard to do with AppSumo. Mm. But if we create a software product, we'll have stability. And so that's what led us to create the, the Sumo business, Sumo Me, uh, which became Sumo.com, the email marketing tools. Um, from there, I think a lot of the products that we've released, it's just stuff that we've, we've created internally for ourselves. So I think that's probably the simplest answer. Uh, the Meet Fam product that we just released yesterday, uh, it wasn't a need internally, but it was that we have this customer base and we have this team available to work on things. We think this is the like the coolest and most interesting stuff that we can be working on. But I, I'd say honestly, if I could do which we can do, I like just creating things that we need for ourselves. Like I just like make, like I think it's so amazing. Like if you make a food product and you get to eat it all the time, or you make a software product and you use it all the time, or you get to do a show and you're like I get to hear these cool people's stories all the time. And I think more too many times, including our own mistakes, it's trying to like solve needs for other people that maybe we don't fully understand. Mm-hmm. You uh you also created an online course a while back, right? Yeah, yeah. Damn it, stop bringing up all the, we're creating too much stuff. <laughs> was that um 
what did you learn from that? Did you, have you created any sense? Did you decide that online courses weren't for you? So we, that was the original. So we were doing AppSumo up until 2013 and we said, Hey, we're not having enough control of the revenue. And I, we, our best idea was to do a course because everyone was doing a course at the time. And we're like, we have this distribution. And so there was four of us at the company. We used to be at 20. We downsized to four uh, in 2013 or 2014. So we're like, well, let's just create a course so we can control our revenue better. Uh, and we can, I actually, I learned so much about content and course creation. I, I, I know we created our own software. We tracked every single student. We had insane amount of data. The one thing I would take away from that year that is really the most interesting is how hard it was. So we had this goal to sell 3,333 and make a million bucks because the course was $300 each. And the most fascinating thing is that of the 10 years I've been working at Sumo, that was the hardest goal we've ever had. That was the most struggle. Like I begged and I was like, I was pushing. You're I thought selling it was a great, hard. I was, and I thought the, I believe in the course. I believe, and there's ways we could have done it better and all that stuff. But I believed if someone actually followed what we said and went through it, they would have success. And I was, we all, not just myself, everyone in the company. And we hit the goal. You should hit your goals generally towards the end of the year or whenever your timeline is. If you hit them too early, it wasn't hard enough. If you hit them too late, you either didn't work hard enough or you set something too ambitious. But we hit the goal like mid-December. And I, I, to this day, I think that's probably one of the most proud things I am at working at Sumo, which because it, it was fucking hard versus we, we just hit a goal with uh, the FAM product where we helped customers generate a million bucks. And it's not that I'm not proud of it. It's not that I don't like the customers. It's not that I don't love our team, but it wasn't really a challenge. It was like, okay, we, yeah, we did it and it, it happened versus the struggle. And uh, yeah, it was something to kind of reflect on from that year where it was really, really hard. You, uh, you mentioned something earlier about having launched this new product and then um, just being a little bit bummed out about the results or, or something. I found that after I launched something, it's not always about the results, uh, but I can some kind, sometimes get bummed out maybe just as this like post-launch fatigue, because you work so hard on getting the thing out there. And I don't know, maybe you build it up in your mind that like the launch is this massive event or something. And of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of fanfare often and, and you have a lot of conversations and things, but then I don't know, maybe there's just this exhaustion that sets in or something, but I've talked to other people as well, who, even if their launch is successful, they find themselves in a bit of a dip afterwards. Yeah. What do you think that's that's all about? I was actually, what came to my mind when you said that was more about, how do I put it clearly? It's like I get, I'm getting selfishly, I would say I'm getting a lot of this attention and I feel really good. And then it just goes away. It's just my one day. It's like when my birthday happens, I actually, I cry almost every birthday because I'm like, I am the most special person today, February 17th, same day as Michael Jordan. And, you know, at the end of the birthday, I'm like, oh, this is my only day for being special. And uh, it's probably similar with some of these launches where you're, everyone's getting attention, you've done all these things and then it's over. You're like, oh, um, I, I think probably at the end of it, it's just you're tired. I'm tired. And, you know, I took a nap and tomorrow I'll take another nap and, and get back at it. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just a, a little case of mini burnout that, um, yeah, you're, you're yeah, it's easy to overlook and it's easy to put in so much time and effort leading up to a launch because you've got that deadline ticking and you, you just want everything to be perfect. So the launch goes off well. It was funny. One of the people on our team, Sean was saying, Hey, well, we should have just launched it a month later and we could have worked more on these things. And 
that's like, I think that's like inevitable. I think it's better to have deadlines and really just push yourself to what are you going to, what are you going to give up and, and put it out there for the world. I, I would wonder though, if maybe it's better not to do a mega launch, like the Send Fox product. We haven't launched even. It's not launched. It's just in the AppSumo store uh, and people are finding it and buying it and telling others. I came across it today just as I was looking at your site to see what was new with you. Um, I think there was a little opt-in and there was just a little little tiny thing that said powered by Senfox down there. And I was like, oh, what's that? And I clicked on it and, and there you go. So, you know, people are finding it just through <laughs> little tiny links you got out there. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, for these launches or as people working on the businesses, like how do you do more things? I'm just trying to reflect on it. Just like how do you do things that are more foundational? So that each day is kind of like a win, right? Like I was talking with the the founder of the Strides app. Mm-hmm. You, ever, you ever see that? Is that um, healthcare? No, Strides app, they probably have one in healthcare, but Strides app is just like a to-do list app. Okay. So like every day I try to do a few things and I'll show it to you. Oh, is it, uh, is it like a habit tracker? Yeah. So like this is my habits for the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using uh, one like that. It's called Streaks. Oh yeah. Streaks is really good looking too. I don't know. So it, maybe there's, it's just like, how do you have more things where each day you can, you can feel good no matter what. Um, so like, you know, I have that, that kind of says like, all right, did you read your goals for the day? Did you get some water today? Did you go walking for the day? Um, I think in the past, I've really tried to say, all right, well, what makes a great day? Like, that's probably been one of my favorite questions for others, but I probably don't even answer it enough myself, which is like, what's your dream week? All right. Cause I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I, I love hearing about other people's businesses and sharing other people's businesses and I love when people are loving their work. I don't know where, I guess, cause my mom hated her work so much. Uh, and so I'm always like, what's your dream week? Like I talked to this guy uh, that I was mentioning that makes a lot of money, but not a lot of uh, profit. I was like, oh, what's your dream week? And he's like, I want to spend more time with my family. I was like, awesome. How do we get you there? Uh, so I think, yeah, my dream week is probably doing more. Yeah, probably. I like things like this. I probably like chatting, you know, just doing conversations that give me more energy. Having you know some of my foundational things, promoting stuff, but I need to spend a little more time like actually mapping that out and then seeing how much of my my week really is that. What are the things like in your list there that you you commit to doing every day because you know that they're just important for you from a physical mental standpoint? Things that you just feel like add up to maybe they're not your ideal day, but they're things that you know are foundational to your ideal day. So I'll tell you, I'll just tell you exactly what I do every day. Every day I have a reminder come on my phone and I'll just show it to you. And it's just like, be grateful for something, right? And I just, this is a list for the past three years of every day. And you write uh, down something that you're grateful for? Yeah. So this morning I wrote trying something new. Uh, yeah. A few days ago, I was happy for gyms and hotels. Like <laughs> last week I was happy for Google search. I was just like, <laughs> Google search is great, man. You can find all this stuff. So that's that. I do a da- have a daily. So I look at this every day. Um, it's basically just like a little mantra. So like show up, be a man, recharge. And I'll, I'll, some days I don't read them fully. Some days I really do like courage and clarity, figure out what you want, then go go for it. And then like my goals for the year. So these are like, uh, yep. like what's the revenue we want to hit or, you know, working out or personal or, or the places I want to visit. And so I look at it every day, like, am I on track for my work goals? Am I on track for my workout goals, my personal goals, my visit? And then in the Strides app stuff, it's, it's changed, but I, this has been pretty consistent. I try to drink water, read a book or learn something every day, read that, the thing I just mentioned, read that every day, walk 5,000 steps a day, study Hebrew each day, and then take my collagen pills because I don't want to, I don't I want to age well. <laughs> you want your skin to look good. I want to look good. I just got a facial. Guys need to get facials, man. That stuff was, have you gotten a facial? Never. 
Dude, your skin looks great, by the way. Oh, th- oh thank you. It really Appreciate does. That. It's glowing. Well, maybe um, it's the camera. It's that lighting. Uh, yeah, but I, anyways, every guy out there that's listening, highly, because my girlfriend's getting these facials. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, and But it was awesome. I massage your face, put all these creams. I looked like, I looked definitely younger. Uh, and then I went and bought all these soaps for my skin afterwards. Speaking of <laughs> of looking younger, you, you mentioned before we started recording, uh, a bit of worry maybe, or just, or just contemplation around staying relevant. Is that something that, that you're concerned about? Like as you get older or, or why was that on your mind? Um, I think what happens is, or what I've observed, uh, is that, you know, when you hear old people and they're like, Oh yeah, that's how we used to do it. Right. And I don't think they hear it though. And when they're saying it, they're just like, here's how we've been doing it. And I've, I was observing myself in business be like, oh, well, email marketing, for instance, that's what's made us millions of dollars. It's always going to be working. And I don't think that means that you need to chase the new shiny thing or do new things all the time. But it made me start reflecting, like, how much am I staying relevant in a changing era? Like, some things never change, right? Like, people still eat. People still breathe. Like, people still promote their products. Um, and I, I guess the... the, the it just made me scared if I'm actually going to, as a maybe minor influencer, stay relevant as our company going to stay relevant is my skills staying relevant. Uh, and part of me thinks, well, if, if I'm asking the question, that'll lead me to relevance versus, you know, you don't want to be chasing things, but I guess I just didn't want to be uh, passed up. Yeah. And, and maybe it, it relates to comfort, right? Because doing the things that have always worked for you, they probably will work to some degree in the future. Uh, and if you just keep doing those things, you don't have to think too much or do too many new things. And so it's just comfortable. Right. And, and, and then eventually, you know, a decade goes by or two decades and suddenly you're talking about email marketing and everybody's moved on to some technology that we don't even know exists or will exist today. Right. I think a perfect example of that is TikTok, right? Like a lot of people are trying to talk about, I guess, Gary Vee is talking about TikTok and all this shit. And like my response, and I think it's being aware of when your response is like, that's stupid. Right. Like even email marketing, I was, I was hanging out with a guy uh, a few weeks ago. And he's like, oh, I don't do email marketing. It's, there's no way it makes money. And I was just like, all right, that's fine. Um, but TikTok is, is an example where like I totally discounted. I, I installed it. So I think that to me, that was not staying relevant, which is at least give it a shot. Try to understand. Doesn't mean you should chase everything. But the things that we're discounting, especially as we get over 30, because this is how we've been doing it, uh, at least be open to trying it out. And I think um, it's a struggle. Right. Because you don't want to be chasing everything, but you also want to make sure you're understanding things. Yeah. Gary Vee is interesting because he, he tends to just invest in every new platform that comes out, not not money, but time and effort, because one of them, he figures, will pop. And if it does, then being an early person on that platform is always totally. a good thing. But how many people did you know who spent hours and hours on Vine or, you know, Periscope or something? And uh, then those platforms go away. Well, I, I was wondering it for you, right? Because you actually, I mean, you've come out, you were really early with all this online stuff, right? Like we, I was looking and mentioning to you about your YouTube channel where like, I, I literally used to poop out a video. Like, I don't think I literally pooped on video, but I, you can imagine that. Yeah, we'd be, me and Neville would be goofing off. And these videos would be getting 10,000 views. Yeah. And now I, I like, I hired a really impressive video person. We put together like scripts and we do a video and I'd promote it and it'd be like a thousand views. Yeah. Um, so there is some value I'd say in getting to the platform earlier, but I guess I'm curious for you, how have you thought about that with fizzle? 
Yeah. I mean, the thing I, I just did like a big review of, uh, the past, I don't know, seven or eight years that, uh, fizzles been around since 2013, I think, um, 2012 actually. And I've been blogging since 2009 and just looking at like what has worked, like you mentioned earlier, like figuring out what has worked and then pouring effort back into that. And for me, the two things that have worked are hands down written content, blogging and podcasting and social and video and all that kind of stuff. Um, it just hasn't added up to much. Now, of course, there's like intangible benefits to, to video and, and to social, especially the people that you meet and connect with and so on. But just in terms of business results, like where we find our customers, it's always been written content and podcasting. And, um, at some point, several years back, we kind of got away from written content. I don't know why, but we, maybe we got bored with it. Maybe we were worried that it was irrelevant. Um, maybe we were chasing the next thing, whatever that was, but we got away from it a little bit and business results suffered, I think because of that. And, you know, when you look back in hindsight, I love looking at graphs over a long period of time and just seeing like, ah, like now you can see the picture, like within the first six months or year or whatever, you can't necessarily. What did you see? Well, I, I, I plotted, for example, the number of pieces of written content that we published per month and what our traffic was and what our customer growth was. And you can just clearly see that like once that tailed off, that's when like business results kind of leveled off, you know, and, 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 and I remember like having those discussions and uh, concerns at the time, but then eventually you can just brush it off. And I, and I think that the thing is like, anytime you're going to change your behavior and stop doing something that you've done for a really long time, you have to realize that it's not like, oh, I'm going to stop this for a little bit and then maybe I'll start it up again because habits are such a driving force and they're so difficult to start and they're really difficult to restart. And so, um, it's easy to kind of, you know, once you're on autopilot and you're just, you know, doing a podcast a week or doing a blog post every other day or whatever, it's easy to go on that autopilot and put that stuff out. And the effort is pretty low. You know, we're at 360 episodes of the the Fizzle Show podcast weekly for the past like six years. And it's just automatic. You just show up and do it. And it's like no big deal. But if I were to stop that and say, oh, I'm just going to take a break for a little bit, then who knows? You might, a year or two might go by and, and you might look back and be like, when, why did I stop doing that? And, you know, where did all that time go? So, that, you know, I think that's what happened uh, to me with blogging, despite having written, you know, 500 blog posts or something before that. Right. You just at some point stop and then it's so hard to get back to it. Hey, before we keep going, here's a quick message from Gusto. Small business owners wear a lot of hats. And while some hats are great, others like the filing taxes and running payroll hat, they're not so great. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and managing a team actually easy for small businesses. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes so you don't have to worry about it. Plus, they make it easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Oh, and you can get direct access to certified HR experts, too. Sounds like a pretty good way to kick off 2020 for your business, right? But here's the thing, deadlines for the new year, they creep up earlier than you think, and you're going to want to get started now. So don't wait. Let Gusto make it easier on you. 
As a bonus, listeners get three months free when they run their first payroll. This is one hat you're going to be glad you gave up. So try a demo and see for yourself over at gusto.com slash fizzle. That's gusto.com slash fizzle. Well, I read a, a article recently and I liked the idea of it. Like AppSumo worked, right? And I was thinking about two different experiences, but I think there's a balance between, this is what the article was saying from Andy Johns and I really loved it. And it was the balance between optimization and innovation, mm-hmm. right? And so there's, his basic argument is that at different points of your business, you should be spending more time optimizing. And then if you're, if you're starting out, you should be spending more time innovating. Uh, like if you're, getting, if you're making a lot of money, optimizations can make a big difference. But if you're just starting out and you're A-B testing things, it's not going to really help you. Um, and so I think with like AppSumo, we've actually gotten so good at the optimization part that we're a little timid on the innovation part because yes. right? the optimizations have, have helped us grow so much. But then to go to that next level, we can't optimize our way to the next level. I think you're, uh, you're absolutely right. And I think like optimization eventually um, has diminishing returns, you know, obviously, because if you haven't optimized at all, there's going to be this low hanging fruit. You might be able to like make a tweak to your homepage or change a registration page and end up with double the conversions, but you're not going to double and double and double and double it's going to eventually slow down and you run out of optimizations, I think. So you're absolutely right. Well, one of the things that's funny that you made me reflect on, and it makes me a little annoyed personally, are, is that if you're doing something that's working, I do think either find someone else to do it or just keep doing, figure out a way to, to make it fun to keep doing. Right? Like I was doing, I started my show at the Noah Kagan Presents show in 2017 and I did this big launch and it was really fun. And then like I worked a lot on the show, ended up getting like 20 to 25,000 downloads an episode, which at that time, my goal That's was a hundred. Well, hold on. My, at the, it is great, but at the time, my goal was a hundred thousand downloads an episode. Yeah, sure. And so I worked the whole year, and at the end of the year, I was still at twenty-five thousand downloads. And I think one of my weaknesses is that I should have figured out a way to make it fun, or make it like, how do I keep going um, with that? Like, how do I have more, you know, continuous goals? And I stopped though. So basically, in twenty eighteen, I think I put out like six episodes. When the year before I put out 52 uh, or 50, I don't know the exact number. And so in 2019, I was reflecting on my dream weeks and hey, what do I really enjoy? And I was like, I loved the podcast, but I didn't love doing it like a job. I like doing it as something that I can share my stories or share other people's stories. So I started back up in 2019 and I was like, look, my goal is not downloads because I can't control that, but I can control how much I output. So I said, I'm just going to put out something once a week. That's it. That's all I have to do. I don't care. I don't even look at the stats anymore. Um, and so when I started back up in 2019 and I was like, just put it out weekly midway through this year, I, I looked at the stats. I did, you know, I did end up glancing and I'm getting around like six to 10,000 downloads an episode. Right. I, I would, I would beg for that 25. I would kill for that 25,000 download. <laughs> and it was an interesting reminder on two pieces, which is like, Sometimes you don't, you look, someone said this to me, I really love it. It's like, sometimes we're looking down instead of looking up. Like, oh, I don't have the hundred thousand number, but you're not like, wow, you're actually at 25. That's pretty damn good. Um, and there is something to say, be said for consistency. Like there's something to be said for consistency wins. If you can yeah. stick with something and you and figure out a way to keep it enjoyable. And I think with Sumo, we've done a lot of new stuff. Uh, and same with the podcast. It's like, how do I keep doing it in a way that makes it enjoyable for myself? Yeah. And, and you have to give something long enough to know if your strategy is working or not. And I, I see so many people in your case, you know, in 2017, publishing 50 podcast episodes, that's great. 
that's that's plenty to know what it's like and what kind of results you're going to get. But I see so many beginners who decide they're going to start a podcast or start a blog or whatever, and they get like seven or eight episodes out and they don't see the results they want and and they give up at that point. And, and then, you know, you're coaching them or having a conversation and you're like, so you're not getting as much traffic or as many email subscribers as you want. Well, how many blog posts did you publish? And they sheepishly say like seven or 10 or something like that. And when we coach people who are starting a blog or a podcast, we tell them to commit to at least like a season of, for, for blogging. We like to see people publish like 50 blog posts before they really think about, is this for me or not? And, and that's a cadence of one a week, you know? Yeah. Well, I think the point that I, I learned from the whole stopping and I've been blogging since 2000, right? Like I'm a dinosaur in this age. I'm not, no I'm not extinct yet. What platform was that on? Uh, Graysoft. Wow. Right. So there's Graysoft. I never went to, it's not Typeform, but who was the one that I think it was like a Typepad? Typepad from Anil. I didn't use that, but I used WordPress really early on. First it was HTML custom coded. Then it was Graysoft by Noah Gray. And then I moved into the WordPress world. That's awesome. Um, you can look at archive.org. I used to have like this, uh, it's a, the site was weird back then. Was uh, it on okdork.com? Yeah, it was always yeah. okdork.com. Um, which, but I think, which, which I, I imagine in my mind is like, the, the, the intonation should be like, okay, dork. Yes. Is that, is I that thought how it's someone supposed was gonna, to be? Yeah, I just thought someone was going to buy it off me for a million dollars and I'm still <laughs> waiting for an offer. <laughs> like, I'm, that's the name I bought, 20, you know, 20 years hey, ago. Hey, it's a six letter.com. That's not bad. Anyways, the, the thing that was interesting that I think about with the podcast and with blogging is like, how do you just find, and we talk about how to sustain, right? How do you keep yourself entertained or how do you, you know, keep going? Uh, it's just, how do you find things that you would just work on for free? So my podcast, I work on for free. I make $0 from it, right? Like I literally, I'm like, all right, I just enjoy sharing stories. And so I think there's something to be said for, for instance, last year as well, I was doing YouTube and I put out, I don't know, put out at least one video to two videos every week. Cause if you watch YouTube, uh, you know, teachers, they're like content, put up, just pump it, just pump out more. You never know which one's going to hit. So put out a lot of it. And I put out a lot and I hired people and I marketed and I traveled this stuff. And even though it didn't do well, I hated doing it. I was like, and so it's something I'm even thinking about in 2020. And we could talk about that a little bit, but I was like, I don't like making videos. I don't want to be on a camera. Don't want to do a bunch of like the video editing and things like that with my friend who's awesome at it, but I, I just didn't care. Versus like the blog and podcast, I'm like, yeah, I'll just keep doing it if I don't make any money. And so I think there's something to be said for that, finding the activities, whether it's marketing, sales, development, uh, writing, singing, whatever that is, where you're like, I'm just going to keep doing it no matter what. Yeah. I think it's a lot easier to keep going uh, after six episodes, if it, even if it's not doing well, given that you, you enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, if, if you're Tim Ferriss and your podcast has like a million downloads an episode or something, it's probably pretty easy to stay motivated at that point when you know the world is listening, basically. But the reality is for most of us, especially if you're starting out with zero audience, you're going to publish something and it's going to have, you know, a dozen downloads or something. And you'll be lucky to get to 100 at some point. And so the question is, like, how are you going to keep going? How are you going to do the hard work, the long, hard, lonely road of putting stuff out when nobody's listening. And if you don't enjoy it, yeah, you're definitely going to stop. Well, I think the one thing I would actually, cha- I wouldn't, I'm not challenging you because it's your show and I can't do that. Come on, Noah. I'll challenge you. So I think what's actually more impressive about Tim and some and like Facebook and certain companies is actually that they've been able to stay relevant for such a long time. Yeah. Like Tim came out in 2007 and he's bigger now than he was in 2007. Yeah. Think about how many other people came out that you never hear anything from. That's true. And people so people who were people who were pretty big at the time. 
huge. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, in a sea where even now anyone can publish anything and it's easier to, to start stuff on your phone, uh, which wasn't as available. And there's so many more people. And so for him to even rise above that, uh, something to study and I haven't studied it well enough, uh, but there's something definitely interesting with that and with him and, and other people in companies. I don't think that they actually get enough credit for that. How much time do you spend these days um, working on your personal brand, if if you want to call it that, versus working on your other businesses? And is that something that you're um, invested in for the long haul, or is it just something like a fun side project for you? Well, it's been an evolution, right? A few years ago, I started building more of the dork brand because I thought, well, if Sumo comes crashing down, I want to have a hedge. Uh, I think that's that was not the right way to look at it. Uh, what I have observed, and I'll tell you about 2020, um, I don't think of myself as a brand. I just think of, I'm Noah. I share these things. Here's what I like to do. Uh, but I have observed that a lot of the customers of Sumo, of the app Sumo.com or MeetFam or SendFox, any of the products that we have, they can connect with me or they email me and it's easier than just emailing like an entity. So if you, I've heard some stats that were interesting, like Aubrey Marcus from Onnit, uh, it's like a supplement company. His following, I think, is one third of the following of Onnit on like social media, but he drives supposedly three times more sales. Like his social media stuff drives more sales than the social media of his own brand. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but that, and it could be an exaggeration uh, that my friend was saying, but it, I do think there's something there where people resonate with an individual. And so uh, I've always just kind of enjoyed this stuff. I've really enjoyed like chatting with you. I get more energy. Like I think you can tell like, we're both more energized. I like sharing people's products. Like that's one of my missions. I love sharing people's stuff. Um, I think where I've, I'm a little conflicted is that given that, you know, having a personality online and, or at some level of attention helps the business. Um, I've wondered, how, you know, how to do that in a way that's, I hate the word authentic because it's like everything is authentic, right? Like being yourself is authentic. I think it's when we're not ourselves is, is where it's the issue. Um, and so I'm kind of, trying to process what does that mean in 2020 for myself, where how do I create and do things for myself and sharing things that, that also helps the business, but I, it, doesn't, it doesn't become a job. It's a, it becomes a career. And I think there is a big difference. In a job is when you work at McDonald's or when you drive Uber. A career is when you're a professional driving Uber, right? It's when you have mints and you're like, this is my career. I treat this seriously. Um, and so I think with my personal stuff, I started thinking about next year, like, all right, how do I reach a million people? And that's my personal goal. Um, and I'm, I'm processing it, right? I'm, I'm trying to work backwards from what do I actually enjoy doing? Because I, if I have a million versus 100,000 versus 10,000 versus 10, really actually doesn't make a difference. Um, and so I've been reflecting on what stuff excites me. Doesn't make a difference in terms of how much you enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, as long as some people are still listening, I'm like, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, otherwise it's, it becomes like a hamster wheel where like, okay, I got 10,000 more. I got, it's like there, that never ends. And so what I did was I just wrote out like, what is everything I've been, done this year that I've just really enjoyed? And so for me, I've like reviewed products. Like I, I did this Slack video. That was really fun. I love reviewing like productivity tools. I really enjoy it. I think it's, it's super fun. Uh, or like sharing like uh, certain products, like these shoes. I'll give a quick plug, suaves.com. S-U-A-V-S. It's the only shoe I wear. Yep. It's great for traveling. I saw that on your, on maybe your about page or something. I was, I yeah, was uh, I, I admiring those. They look pretty comfortable. I'll, dude, I'll hook you up. <laughs> I'll get with the pair. They're, they're awesome. And it's, it's run by like a, a female founder out in Austin. They're a small team and I love seeing them succeed. I love helping. Like they use some of our tools. 
Um, so I love that. Uh, there's certain guests I get to chat with that was awesome. Um, I liked helping some companies. Like lately, I've done these episodes. It's interesting to do something and notice the pull versus push. I've done some of these episodes where we do live case studies. We're just on air. We dissect a business and then we revisit the results of a week, not a week, about a month to two months later. People fucking have gone apeshit over those. And so I'm like, well, I've enjoyed some of those. Some of them I haven't. And so how do I just do, you know, focus more on the stuff that's working that I enjoy doing? Noah, to kind of uh, wrap things up for people who are maybe just getting started or, or maybe they've, you know, they've had a business idea, they've been working on it for a little while and haven't been getting traction. I know that you over the years have coached a lot of beginners. Do you have any like go-to advice these days for helping people make quicker progress than they might on their own. Something that'll just help them like light a fire, see some results so that they stay inspired and motivated and keep going. Yeah. Well, I'll do two things. So I, I, you know, man, we did this launch yesterday and it was really fascinating how many people I could talk to for help. Like I talked, you know, Steve Chu, my wife quit her job. Yeah. He's great. He's such a good dude. In fact, I think we all hung out maybe once in person, uh, in San Francisco. Yes. Yes. That was at the, hon at that lunch. Yeah, maybe. The, so Steve Chu helped me out. Um, this guy named Jay from Bold, uh, one of the top Shopify store creators, top Shopify app creators. So in terms of people starting business, I'll, I'll give it two pieces. It was really interesting why these people were helping me. I was like, wow, I can't believe you're so nice to me. And it made me reflect on really like if you're just starting out, go pick one person and just do something for them. Don't ask for anything. Because I think like I noticed myself in this launch, I was asking people for things that I've never helped out. And it was much harder for them to want to do anything for me. So I think if you're brand new, pick someone that you admire. Maybe it's Corbett. Maybe it's Noah. Maybe it's an e-commerce store. Maybe it's anything. Don't even ask them what they need help with. Just look at what they're doing online and go do something for them. Like write up a better show note, hire an artist, do a video for them, uh, make a sale for them, recommend them, or even email them a compliment, whatever it is. So go help someone first. And I know that sounds like, this is shitty advice. It's not shitty advice. It's great advice that no one really does, including myself, intentionally. Right? Because we want it now. We don't want to do anything. So if you're starting out, go pick someone, help them one thing. Second thing, I've started many companies. Most haven't worked. Some have worked out. Uh, I've talked to literally almost 10,000 people from that course and, and until this day about their businesses. I would say that the two key things for anyone starting out, it's very simple. Number one, give yourself a weekend. That's all you have. So what I mean by that is that people give themselves too much time. They're like, all right, I'm going to do a month. I'm like, well, and at the end of the month, you're going to give yourself another month. So limit your time to a weekend. And they're like, no, I can't do it. I know you can't do it. It's all possible. Second thing is that you can't spend any money. Mm. Seriously. So, and I'll, I'll give some examples because we were like, that's not every, here's what everyone does, Corbett. That's not I'm true. I'm unique. I'm the only one that's going to be like this where I need more time and I have to spend money, Noah, because I'm doing the most complicated thing in the world. You know, that's what everyone says. So let's go through some examples. Noah, I'm creating something too complicated, like Tesla. Well, what did you notice that Tesla does before they launch a car? Before they launch the Model 3, before they launch the Roadster, what do they do? Uh, they spend a lot of time talking about the car leading up to it. The car, and then you can also pre-buy it. Yeah. 500,000 people bought a Model 3. Yeah. It was and like they had to like put down what, like 10 grand or something. Yeah. Or I don't know how much it was, but yeah. they made over a billion dollars, I think a year to a year and a half before they even launched the car. Oh, but no, that's a, yeah, it's exact. That is a car. Like you're not built. No one, I don't think anyone here listening is building a car. If they are, I'm really impressed with you. 
But my point is like, even Tesla giant did that. Here's another example. We, we just launched meet fam, the uh, email marketing for Shopify stores. Before we built any software, we literally just went to people who have Shopify stores and said, Hey, what, what software are you using? Blah. Okay. We will do your email marketing for you for free. And we'll just use whatever software you're using. You don't have to do anything. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah. Then we did it for them. It worked. And we're like, okay, it's working. We didn't have, we didn't create anything. And from there, then we found it working. We created the software. So those are just kind of like two uh, pretty instant examples. And people might ask, well, Noah, I don't have anyone that wants to buy my thing. Well, it's like, you think it's going to get easier once you make it? You think magically you're going to put it on Amazon and the Amazon gods are going to shine light down on you? That's just not reality. It, it sounds nice in an ink article, but the reality is like it's a grind. So you want to make sure you can make it easier on yourself. So if you limit your time and you don't spend any money, you will find out very quickly whether it's working, which you can keep going, or it's not, so you can fix it. Noah, thank you so much for sharing today. I feel like we uh, dove a little deep, got a little personal, which is always nice. Yeah, man. Um, Excited to see you. It was really, it was good to see your face. You as well. I, I don't know why it's been so long. It's insane. Thank you so much for being our I guest hope. today. Um, people can me. find you at okdork.com. Is there anywhere else they should be looking for you? Absuma, go to appsuma.com. That's where all of our products are. So appsuma.com, sign up for the free newsletter. Um, no, nah, man, it's, it's been awesome talking with you. Awesome. Uh, you can find the full show notes to this episode over at fizzleshow.co. This is episode number 353. As always, thank you for being here. I'm Corbett Barr. And until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show. <laughs>